From deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Gator Tales is brought to you by UF Health, the official healthcare provider of the Florida Gators. Welcome to Gator Tales, Gator Greats. I'm your host, Adam Schick. While we often use the term Gator Greats to describe former stars for the Orange and Blue, the term takes on an additional level of meaning when it refers to the select few athletes who end up in the UF Hall of Fame. When Brandon James was returning kicks for two national championship teams during his four-year career, he put the special in special teams, as the 5'7 St. Augustine native wreaked havoc nearly every time he touched the ball. While James had to wait over a year for his induction to take place because of COVID, he and his fellow 2020 inductees, including Tim Tebow and Brandon Spikes, were officially enshrined on homecoming weekend. The only player in SEC history with 4,000-plus combined kickoff and punt return yards, we spoke with Brandon for our Gator Great series about the 2006 and 2008 title teams. And if you haven't heard those, we highly recommend checking out Trail to Glendale and The Promise Fulfilled after you finish this episode. But for now, here's the story of how an undersized underdog that most schools overlooked landed in the Hall of Fame for one of the nation's most prestigious athletic programs. Well, man, I'm, you know, born and raised here in St. Augustine, Florida. Um, you know, uh, my mom, I mean, my mom, Coretta Blunt, you know, she was a athlete herself. She ran track until uh, uh, told she was pregnant and having me. <laughs> she was a, she was a great athlete herself. My dad uh, was a really good athlete. He played basketball, um, football, ba- uh, basketball, football, and track. Um, he actually had a lot of uh, D one interests up until his senior year. Um, you know, back in those days, high school football was a little different. You know, you had to kind of just go with whatever the coach said, and if the coach, you know, had you know. Uh, an opinion of you that might might not have been all the way true, whatever the case may be. He could kind of shade, I mean, persuade uh, recruiters or whatnot to maybe not come back and all those things. So back in those days, man, you know, my dad had a coach basically that kind of railroaded him, in my opinion, from the story he told me, and I'm going to tell it straightforward um, to, to the point where, you know, he went from going to University of Florida on visits and going to Florida State to visits to just having a one double A offer, two one double A offers from, uh, Central Florida and Sanford University, but you know he was a blessed, blessed individual. He ended up being able to pursue his uh, football career at the University of Sanford. He uh, was an All American there. He was an All American receiver. Um, he set records. He holds records at Sanford still to this day. Um, and a lot of everything I learned about sports and just being a man um, came from him. He was able to play for uh, Terry Bowden. Jeff Bowden was his receiver coach. Uh, Coach Jimbo Fisher was actually the offensive coordinator at the time. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I mean, so like growing up, I was told all these stories. I was watching all these videos and, you know, I was well educated on, you know, just how sports work, how college work, how you had to work and, you know, earn everything you uh, were going to be everything. You had to earn everything you were going to be given. You know what I mean? Nothing was going to be given to you. And I learned that at an early age because he always told me, he was like, look, man, in high school, they tried to play me at fullback and then they put me at cornerback and then they put me at receiver but he always made plays wherever he was and at an early age that stuck with me so I always learned hey look no matter what situation I'm giving early on 
prove you're the best, prove you're worthy of getting more carries or touching the ball or whatever the case may be. And, you know, everything always work out. And, it, you know, again, he had situations where the coach might have said, you know, bad things or negative things about him, but he turned everything into a positive because he was still able to pursue his career at a 1AA school, was able to be an All-American. They actually, when he was at Sanford, his senior year was the the most wins they had in the program at the time they made it to the game before the uh, national championship. They they lost to Youngstown State, and they had a really good team at the time, man. And, uh, you know, he was a really good athlete. So, again, man, a lot of the early lessons and just things about sports and competing and everything like that I learned from him. And, uh, you know, he was my uh, football coach. To, I didn't play football until I was, like, basically in the sixth grade. Mm. I was a bad I, – I just knew I was going to be Allen Iverson or Kobe. And <laughs> – I thought of basketball as my thing. So I grew up playing basketball and baseball. Um, but I picked up a football at sixth grade and it was purely only to prove my dad that I could play. You know what I mean? If mm-hmm. I was going to school with kids that played for him and they would joke that I was scared and all oh, you're a baseball player, you're scared to play. And so all these things were going on in my head. And I, you know, I played football. I knew about it because again, he had always played. He had always taught me the game, but it was just one of those things. I love baseball and basketball more, but from the first time I touched the football, actually the first time I touched the football in the game, I scored. And it was actually on a play where my dad said, hey, you know, when you I was a receiver at the time. And he said, hey, when you catch a slant, you can't go across the middle. You got to do catch it, get back outside, all this crazy stuff there. And again, I was always this person like that. I know you're good, but I'm going to be good, too. I'm going to be great, too. And the first time I touched the ball, I caught a slant, went across the middle, all the way across the field on the other side of the sideline and scored. And I can't tell you the. The, the just the emotions I had coming back to the sideline and just yelling at him saying, I told you I could do it. I told you I could do it. <laughs> so, you know, all those early lessons, man, that I learned from him and just trying to show him that, hey, I'm great too. You know, it just carried on throughout my whole career. So ultimately, it seems like once you scored, you realize, wow, your football maybe is a little more rewarding than the others. Is that a fair way to put it? Well, football was always just a sport where I had more fun. You know what I mean? I, don't, don't get it to Basketball was always my favorite sport, to be honest with you. But once I touched the football, it's just being able to hit people, being able to make people miss, being able to just, you know, just have fun and just run around, reckless abandon type of thing. That just, that just sparked the interest for me. And then having success at it, like from the first time I touched the ball, I, I, I was done from then. I thought I was a football player. You know, I still played basketball. I didn't play baseball for too much longer because at that point, once I started playing football, baseball was boring now. Mm. And, uh, you know, it just turned into one of those things, man. Once I scored, once I had that immediate success, it was like, man, this might be my thing. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. Um, you know, when it, when it came time for recruiting, I'm, I'm curious how much did your dad's experience maybe, you know, in a way sort of affect your view of it. And, you know, I, I'm hoping it was a better process for you than it was for him. But how much did his experience sort of shape yours as you went through that? Um, it, it, it shaped it big time because I knew what he went through and I knew how good he was. And I would always tell him, like, man, you should have been at Florida State. You, you know, I'm supposed to be a, a, a NFL son right now and all those good things. We'd always joke about it, man. He was always humble about it and saying, you know, you just got to keep working hard, man, because you never know what may happen. You never know, you know, what roadblocks may come, what adversity may hit. And so it, it, it shaped me big time. But he also did a good job of just being a parent. And I would looking back on it, I actually wish he was a little more hands on than he was because, he, you know, he let me be a mature teenager and just make the decision on my own. He never really, hey, you got to go here. Hey, I don't really like the University of Florida. Like, let's look at this school. He kind of 
whenever things came about, he would just be like, hey, okay, you know, and I would tell him what I was thinking and he would kind of give his opinion, but he would always let me go with whatever was on my heart. So, you know, I, it helped big time, but at the same time, I think he used what he went through to kind of just guide me and not per- and not really persuade me in a direction. Mm. Um, you're always the first to point out that, you know, when, when you're five, seven, there's not a ton of people, I'm sure, you know, ringing your phone off the hook. Uh, how did Florida get on your radar and, and how were you able to generate interest from the Gators despite not having the size that, that some people would, would look for? Um, so basically, you know, when it came to recruiting, I really picked up my first offer after my sophomore year, because, you know, from the moment I stepped on varsity in high school, I was pretty much our impact player in, uh, you know, making a lot of plays for our team. I was pretty much our go-to guy. So I, I picked up an offer pretty early. It was from like a 1AA school, of course. And then after my junior year, my offers really picked up. So again, you know, I had decisions to make, but it wasn't the Miamis and the Florida States and Florida at the time. You know, I had Wake Forest, South Carolina. Uh, Penn State was offering me. Penn State was looking at me really hard. Iowa wanted me to play cornerback. And I basically just walked out of the meeting when they told me that. Um <laughs> And so, you know, I had other schools, but, you know, as a kid growing up in Florida, me and me and Louis, me and Louis Murphy was talking about this other day, man. Like we were Florida State, Miami. Like that's all we knew. I hated the University of Florida at the time. Crazy to believe. Like I hated the I hated the Gators. I had a uh, my high school uh, teammate, uh, Quentin Hancock. He was a huge uh, Gator fan. And so I was my I was first Florida State and then I was a Miami fan. So not having those schools pursue me that kind of bothered me, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and so, but, you know, as my, uh, the spring of my junior year and the summer hit, that's when uh, the first contact I had with anybody from uh, University of Florida was Greg Madison at the time, um, our former D coordinator and D line coach. And he kind of called me and was just like, hey man, you know, you know, they were recruiting my uh, uh, brother, Jacquez Rickerson. And uh, he was like, look, man, we're going to start recruiting you too. We really want you to be a Gator. And I was like, I straightforward, you know, having a little bit of, you know, uh, just being a little mad at the time and them pursuing me after they pursued Jock, it was kind of like, okay, whatever. I hate the Gators. You know what I mean? I kind of <laughs> gave him that answer straightforward. I mean, I'm a straightforward person. So I had no problem with telling him that. And he just laughed it off. He's like, okay, we'll, we're going to get you an orange or blue. We'll see about that. And so that was kind of my first contact with the university of Florida. And from that point on, he just stayed consistent. And then, you know, coach heater was recruiting Jock and uh, he was recruiting uh, Jamar Hornsby at the time who was at Sandalwood. And all of us were, you know, Jamar would be down here all the time at our games, hanging out with us. And, you know, it was a thing where they just stayed on all of us. And with those two being really high in the University of Florida, um, it kind of just got me interested a little more. And then the thing, like I already said, I, you know, I don't mind competing. So I was never worried about because Jamar was a five-star parade All-American. Jock was a four-star big one, pretty much top two corners in the state. I was like, look, man, if they're recruiting them, I'm just as good as them, if not better. So I want to go prove it. And that's kind of how all the interest sparked because it was, it turned into basically like a, you know, a, 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 a competitive thing. Like, look, man, if, if they're good enough to go, I'm damn sure good enough to go. You know what I mean? Right. Right. You know, looking back at it now, especially looking at the, uh, you know, the, the hall of fame class, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but you were part of arguably the, the best signing class in Gator history. And, and when you look at it, maybe one of the best in the history of college football, um, how early did you realize you were part of a really, really special group with some incredible talents? Probably uh, it was summer. We call it summer B at the time when all the freshmen came in. So at that point, I think Tebow enrolled early. 
Carl Johnson enroll early, Siobhan Walker enrolled early. It was some people, of, it, was, it was a few of us that were part of that class that enrolled early. So once the rest of us came, um, those, you know, the guys that were in our freshman class was kind of trying to give us a leg up. Like, hey, man, this is what to expect. We just went through this offseason program. It's going to be crazy, yada, yada, yada. But that summer B, when you're around all those guys and you just hear how they talk, how competitive they are, you know, we, we start lifting and start working out. And you just see like, man, Percy Harvin really is a freak. You know, he really <laughs> is a freak of nature. Man, Spikes, it really is that big. You know what I mean? Tebow mm-hmm. really is that strong. And so when you're around all these guys and you're seeing it, again, it turns you into that competitor. And you're like, okay, well, let me prove myself. And like you just said, seeing all those names in that class, you know, I'm the, if you look back and you say, well, Spikes, Brandon James, and Tim Tebow are the first ballot uh, Hall of Fame guys going into the uh, University of Florida's Hall of Fame, you could never, you could never, be, I mean, Percy, Spikes, Tebow, yeah, no doubt. You, you For sure you could have guessed that. But like me, <laughs> I mean, there's so many other guys that you were probably going to name before me. And that's just you know, a testament to my work ethic and just a, uh, a testament to, um, in my opinion, just the competitor I am because I would never, never back down to any of them mm-hmm. no, from Tebow, Spikes, Percy, anybody, you know, I'm toe to toe with them and just showing them that, look, man, I can go to no matter how big the size or whatever the case may be. Hmm. Did you always know that you were going to be really primarily a special teams weapon on returns or how did you get into that role once you got to school? Well, being recruited, Coach Meyer did let me know, and Coach Wiles also reciprocated to Coach Meyer, like, look, man, he could return the ball next year for you guys. You know what I mean? Because Georgia Tech was recruiting me, and they wanted me to redshirt. Wake wanted me to redshirt, too, of course, because of my size. They were going to give me a chance to play in the backfield and be running, being a running back, but they were going to redshirt me. And Coach Meyer told me straightforward, like, look, man, we're not redshirting. If you can come in and compete and play, I'm going to put you on the field. Um... And so I always told him, like, look, man, I want to be a part of the offense. I want to be a part of I know where I, I kind of knew that him and Coach Wiles had that conversation. So I knew that was going to be my first opportunity. I didn't know when and how, but I also wanted the chance. And uh, so once I got to school and, you know, Coach Meyer would always say, hey, man, catch X amount of punts after practice, catch X amount of kickoff. Return. And he would tell no other freshman that. So I was like, okay, this is a little different. He wasn't telling Percy that. <laughs> right. He wasn't telling Jared Faison that. So I was like, okay. And, uh, you know, I had my knee scope. I mean, I had the knee, a meniscus tear my freshman year, like a, the week before the first game or the, a, a couple weeks before the first game. And so I was thinking at that point, like, okay, man, I'm about to get red shirted. I'm small, whatever. Yeah, I had, I had of course I had, I, I mean, Thinking back on it, I think me and Percy were the first guys um, to get our stripes off our helmet in mm-hmm. camp for as the freshmen. So I knew they respected me and knew I could play, but I was still thinking the size thing, okay, it's going to be, you know, that now that I'm hurt, they're going to register me. But, man, when that, when that uh, I think we played UCF and I was the kickoff returner and I wasn't punt returning yet, and then uh, that was the second week, and then the third week was the Tennessee week, and, you know, I was still the kickoff returner, and I never forget, man, um, I'm standing back there. And I think the first actually punt return of that game, he sent Reggie back because we we're kind of in a backed up situation. And, you know, him, Reggie being the older guy, he was like, OK, I'm going to put him out there. I, you know, just me being in his mind. OK, I'll put him out there for the sure hands. But then the next punt return, he's like, hey, go out there. I'm, me? And <laughs> I look. But then when he kind of like paused, I just ran on the field, man. I was like, all right, whatever. And uh, from that point on, you know, I just told myself like look he put me out here I'm, I'm, there's no way I'm going to give him a chance to take me out so I think it just once that happened he had no and then I had immediate success in that game 
it was like it validated, you know, what Coach Wild said, what he was already thinking. And that was my early uh, intro to get on the field. And then from there, you know, I think I just took it and ran with it. When you look back on, on 2009, um, is it can you look back on it and, and appreciate what you guys accomplished? Or is it sort of just is, is it hard to get past the fact that it, it didn't end in the undefeated championship run that you guys had all pledged? Having the success we had, I, I, I wouldn't be honest with you if I didn't say, you know, it was a disappointment. You know what I mean? I end up having uh, foot surgery going into that year and then end up getting hurt again in the SEC game. So it was a real up and down year for me. Um, I remember vividly going into the year, uh, Tebow making the announcement that he was coming back. And um, crazy to believe, a 5'7 punt returner. I had some options on coming out. I mean, of course, I wasn't going to be a first day guy. But, you know, of course, there you as we've seen, in many years, there's guys that leave early that are six-round picks, fifth-round picks, or whatever the case may be. So I had the option. Um, and I remember sitting in Spike's uh, apartment at the time, and, of course, he was going to be the first linebacker took him. And uh, so we were having this long discussion about it, man, and him. And i never forget, man, him saying – because I was kind of letting him talk because I was going to be persuaded by him. <laughs> right. You know, like I was – it wasn't like I was getting any first-round money. So whatever you're doing, Spike's, I'm going to do. Um, but I couldn't see myself. Percy had already left, so I couldn't see myself coming back to school without either of my boys being there, Percy or Spikes. Mm -hmm. So when I remember vividly him leaning, I mean, him looking at me and saying, "B man," because I, I I was pleading him, I was telling him all the things, all the reasons why he should leave. Mm -hmm. Look, man, you're gonna be the first linebacker taken. The first linebacker is gonna get this X amount of dollars. Uh, the Raiders, I remember the Raiders picked McLean and they were going to be, they, they were a team that needed a backup. I was like, they're going to pick you. You're going to sign for X amount of dollars. Dude, leave. You know what I mean? Like just, yeah, he was worried about his 40 time and all that good stuff there. So I was like, look, don't worry about all that. Just don't run and just leave. And I remember trying to sell him and all that and him looking at me and saying, B man, but I'm just not ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> and so we laughed about it. I was like, dude, you're crazy. You can make millions of dollars and you, 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 you want to just stay here and just continue to be a rock star in college. You know what I mean? So, and he laughed. He's like, yeah, man, I'm not ready to go, man. I was like, hell, I'm not either. So let's stay there. And uh, we, and then at that moment, it shifted. The conversation shifted to just think about if we're able to win three national titles in four years. Reggie and we didn't do it. Uh, teams at Miami weren't able to do that. Like we were, we're going to be like embedded in college football history if we win three national titles in four years. I was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Let's do that. So I remember that being a key conversation that we we're having early on so then when it didn't happen that way when us losing to Alabama and it didn't happen that way no matter if we only lost one game that year no matter if we still went to the Sugar Bowl and just you know wiped the floor with Cincinnati because we didn't win a national title I, I can't speak for everyone but I can speak for Brandon Spikes Brandon James I know you know that season didn't validate us the way those national title years did because we're competitors we want to be known as the best team in the nation and you know, technically we, we weren't that year. Did you guys, did you enjoy that season or it, was it too joyless? Because, you know, if, if every win wasn't a blowout, then it was questioned. I mean, there was so much scrutiny and so much pressure. Was the ride still enjoyable or, or was it tainted by all the, the other things going on around it? So, you know, again, I'm not going to speak for everyone. Um, as a team that year, I think everyone was still kind of enjoying it because, you know, everyone has their own different personal accolade you know own personal goals and things that they're trying to achieve 
or as a team, I can say everyone was probably still joining because we're undefeated. But, you know, again, there were moments in that season, the Mississippi State game where we almost lost. And, you know, we're, again, vividly remembering that almost being a repeat of the Auburn game my freshman year because the offensive defense and uh, Spikes and Tibor basically knows the nose because everyone is so much tension. You know what I mean? We, we know how great we are and we're not performing to that level. But um, so, you know, as a team, I think it was a little bit of that. But personally, me, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't I didn't have a lot of fun that year because it turned into for me because I had the foot injury. And then, you know, once I made the decision that I was going to come back and I had the conversation with Coach Meyer, it turned into, OK, you're going to have a bigger role. You're going to you know, you, we're going to turn you into Percy and yada, yada, yada. And me playing offense and Coach G started me at receiver, me having success but it never turning into what they said it was going to be. So I turned into kind of a guy that wasn't all about the team and was focused on, man, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to showcase this. And it, it was a tough year for me, not to, to be totally honest with you. Um, but, you know, again, I would always put, put my pride aside and be all for the team when we got in practice and we got uh, in a game situation um but it was a up and down year for me man it was a tough year because just you know I had all these emotions about man I'm not going to get drafted man you know I'm not getting the ball um man we're having tough games where other people aren't having success that normally are man coach Mullen left and if he was here he would know just the right things to do to get the playmakers the ball so I had all these different emotions that I was going through and I know as a team everyone probably did too so I'm not going to speak for them but you know it was a rocky year um but at the same time, man, for it to, for us to be going through what we went through and for us to still be undefeated, for us to still be in the uh, SEC title game against Bama and, you know, a couple of plays away or beating them again and being in another national title game, um, you know, that shows how talented we were, how much of, at the time, professionals we were, I felt like, because, you know, we everyone had all these different uh, accolades and different uh, goals they had, but we'd always put them aside when it came to Saturday uh, afternoons and Saturday nights. And, you know, again, you know, it was a tough season, but we were able to go undefeated. We were able to beat all the SEC teams besides Alabama. So it shows to how well, you know, coached we were and how uh, good we were, in my opinion. Mm. So do you feel like, I don't know if, if it's, if Mullen were still there or do you think there's a way that game against Alabama could have played out differently? Or did they just, did they want it too much? The same way you guys wanted it against Georgia. Were they, in your mind, were they always going to find a way? Or do you think it could have played out differently? I'm going to just say it like this. You know what I mean? Again, I love Adazio to death. But he's not, a, he, he's not the offensive play caller that Coach Mullen is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and again, Alabama, just the year before, I just explained to you that they weren't the Alabama that they were right. now. So still at that time, they looked at us as like the superior team. You could, I mean, during that game, you could tell. I vividly remember like, and me and Spikes talk about it all the time. Like that whole game, they were kind of just waiting on us. Okay, when are they going to flip the switch? Mm -hmm. When are they going to flip the switch and turn it on? And we never could. And so I I would be lying to you if I wouldn't say like, I I truly believe if we had Coach Mullen, it would have been a different game. Um, because they were not 38 to 12 or whatever the score was. They were not that much better than us. I just don't think, um, you know, being an adult now and knowing more about football now and, you know, X's and O's now, I, I just don't think we went into that game offensively with a great game plan to attack those guys. 
And, you know, they got Nick Saban, man. He's a great defensive mind, and they had a great game plan. And uh, so no doubt, you know, I'm the biggest Coach Mullen fan there is. So, man, if we have Coach Mullen, man, I, I definitely think we have a different game. Hmm. So post, post-UF, can you sort of take us through your journey once you leave in terms of, you know, how long – how long are you staying in football? When do you make the decision to, you know, to move on from it? Tell us about that afterlife from UF. So, you know, um, again, I had the foot, I had the foot surgery leading until my senior year. And then um, I re-aggravated that injury in the SEC title game that year. So, um, yeah, I had all that success returning the ball. But, um, you know, being a 5'7 kid that has two uh, – Jones fracture surgeries, you know, not a lot of NFL teams are beating down your door. But luckily, I was able to be a part of a great class and have a lot of success with that class. So there, I did have interest, and I remember getting invited to the scout, uh, scouting combine, and that was special for me because, again, I was injured, but they still wanted me to be there. They still wanted me to come do all the measurable stuff and do all the interview stuff. And, um, you know, that was special to me, man, to be, to be able to go to Indianapolis and be a part of the uh, NFL scouting scouting combine. And uh, just going through that process was a, was a special moment, man, because at no point in time entering college did I ever think about the NFL. Like, I totally was going to college just to play big-time college football and make a name for myself. Like, the NFL wasn't even in the picture. But, you know, when you play with Spikes and Tebow and Percy, you know, quickly – you learn that, hey, you got to think that way because the real big-time competitors think that way. You, you got to think you can play with the best. So, you know, when that when those times came and then um, I remember the draft process being difficult because, again, everyone wasn't beating down my door. I had interest in teams, but a lot of teams were beating down my door and uh, I wasn't able to work out until, like, oh, man, it was a couple weeks before the draft, I think. I might have worked out because we had our – we had the combine, then we had pro day. I didn't work out at pro day. And then myself, Cunningham, and maybe a couple other guys, uh, uh, Coach Marathi and uh, the coaching staff held a special workout for us. And then I remember it being like 20-plus teams there or something like that, and I was able to run. Me not being 100% still at the time because when I ran at that workout, I was probably, I don't know how many weeks still removed from the surgery um, because i never forget when I went to the scouting combine, I had my – boot off and I was walking everything like that but coach Marathi knows my competitive spirit and just the year before he had told Percy when he went to the combine because Percy ran like a 4-4 at the combine he was like and we all knew Percy's like a 4-2 guy but Percy had that ankle injury still bothering him but Percy's a competitor so once he got up there he just ran and um I'll never forget when I went to the scouting combine coach Marathi saying dude when you go up there do not run <laughs> like no matter <laughs> what happens do not run and so being able to run that day at that workout and uh, still not being 100%, you know, uh, and then right after, you know, I, me- I remember the first team that I had a conversation with was the Indianapolis Colts. And um, them saying that they were interested and they would stay in contact with my agent and all that good stuff there. And draft day being tough because, you know, you're sitting watching the draft and you're seeing all these guys that you just know you're better than. <laughs> you know, like, all these guys getting picked and like, golly, man, these guys getting picked, man. And guys that I went to school with that I played on the team with getting picked and no disrespect to anybody, but you're like, God, man, like I played as a freshman. These guys didn't play to like the red shirt junior year. <laughs> and I mean, that's just me being honest with you. dude. Right. And then like, you know, them getting drafted. So it was tough. It was tough, man. I'm not going to lie, but 
you know, I was a priority free agent, which, you know, if people don't know, priority free agent is the closest thing to a draft pick. You just didn't get drafted. You still get signing bonus and all that good stuff there. It's no crazy amount of money or nothing like that, but you're still, a team is interested in you, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's enough for me. Like, you know, a team wanted me and uh, I had the opportunity to be able to go to, I had the choice of going to the Jets as a priority free agent or the Indianapolis Colts as a priority free agent. And I remember telling my agent, well, who had, who's giving the most money? And he goes, the Indianapolis Colts. Well, I said, I guess I'm a Colt. And uh, <laughs> I, remember the, I remember the coach calling me, man, and that was special, you know, because still, I didn't get drafted or anything, but, man, I'm a 5'7 kid from St. Augustine, Florida. Um, the only person at the time that I knew had played in the NFL, I think we had a punter, Scott player. Uh, we had a guy, um, uh, his name was, his last name was, uh, Birch. Uh, he played with the Cardinals for a second, but all these guys were like way older than me. And then, uh, Willie Gallimore, who was in the fifties or forties, like I didn't know anybody that came from St. Augustine that had made it to the NFL. So it was, I didn't, you know, that was something to me that was special. You know what I mean? No matter if I got drafted, no matter what it was like. A NFL team wants me, you know what I mean? And I'm from right here. So to me, that was inspiration from the pe for the people and for the kids that grew up in the same places and grew up the same way I did, you know what I mean? So that was a special moment, man. And, you know, to go up there and be able to, you know, have to fight for your job. But I was used to that. Again, if I once we go back, you know, I told you about my whole career. I had to fight for everything. I was always the underdog and everything like that. So that was a role I was comfortable being in. And I'll never forget walking into their locker room and Peyton Manning walking up to me and going, hey, I'm Peyton Manning. I was like, dude, I, and, you know, excuse my language. I, do, I, know, I, know, I know who the f*** you are, you know right, what I'm saying? Right. But him him knowing my name, Brandon James, and him knowing the whole Tennessee dynamic, and, man, you killed us all four years and all that stuff there. And, dude, I was done from there. Like, okay, per Peyton Manning knows who I am, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so uh, trying to show him that, hey, I can play. And he actually had really high expectations for me, believe it or not, because of what I did in Tennessee. And uh, – it was crazy, man, because he expected me to come in and just be a baller. You know what I'm saying? But to be honest with you, man, and I tell people this all the time as well, like after my foot surgeries, you know, you see me return. You see me be able to stop and go, get right back to uh, top speed at the drop of a dime. It wasn't the same. You know what I mean? So I knew right away, like, damn, man, I'm not the same guy anymore. But the competitor and just the dog mentality that I have, I just wouldn't not give in. You know what I mean? So I was able to fight for a practice squad position, and that's the way I was able to st stick around for a while. I was on the practice squad for so many weeks. Um, and then I'll never forget that year. Uh, our receiver group had a lot of injuries. Uh, Gonzalez went down. Pierre Garçon went down at one time. Reggie Wayne went down at one time. And uh, they them calling me up. And, again, this is a big validation for me because, I knew I was in those meetings while I was on the practice squad. And, you know, in the special teams meeting, no one's really saying anything. No one cares about the return game. But as soon as they activated me, uh, Peyton Manning stood in front of the special teams meeting and said, hey, for every return or for every good field position we get. And again, dude, we had already played like six, seven weeks of football. Mm -hmm. He never did this before. But as soon as I got activated, he stood in front of the meeting room and say, okay, for every return we get and for every plus field position I'm putting you guys put us in, I'm going to give X amount of dollars to every one of the punt return team oh, wow. and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and I remember um, Austin Collie at the time. He was that mm. the the, uh, the receiver with all the swag from BYU. Yeah. Um, he always wore those dark visors, man. That boy had swag. <laughs> but uh, 
I I never forget him saying like, dude, that's you. That that's no one else. And uh, actually, crazy. Pat McAfee, the punter at the time, me and him were really close. You know what I'm saying? So him saying the same because I would always get him to stay after practice and punt to me because I thought he was the best punter in the league because he's the only punter I ever still to this day like could not catch his ball. Dude, he would punt the ball like straight up in the air. But um, him saying like, dude, Peyton don't do that for everybody. So make sure you, make sure you uh make sure you hold up your end of the bargain and um getting activated and then me that first week me having a me having a little bit success, but. Then me having to play receiver and Reggie Wayne pulling me aside and Peyton Manning pulling me aside and um after practice, like I remember vividly Peyton Manning having a one-on-one walkthrough with me, keep, keeping me up to date on what the plays were. You know what I mean? So all those all those experiences for me were it just validated. Like I, you know, I never I didn't stick around for more than a year. Like I played think three games, four games, and then they cut me because all our receivers got back healthy. So if people don't know how the NFL works, like if you know once injuries happen and the roster spots like it's all predicated on what they need and at the time you know i got activated because we needed receivers well once all the receivers got healthy a lot of d linemen got hurt so now we need a d lineman so they needed my practice squad spot and my position for a d lineman so i ended up getting cut and uh you know that was tough of course you know it was something that, I, you know, I hadn't ever been through to be told that you're not good enough to play somewhere and uh, not really knowing what's next in football. So that was a tough time for me, man. I was in Indianapolis. i never forget the day. I probably stuck around for a couple of weeks, but the day I chose to come home, it's like it hadn't, it hadn't snowed yet in, in, in Indy. But the day I chose to come home, it was snowing. <laughs> and I just I just got in my car, packed everything, and just drove all the way from Indianapolis to St. Augustine, Florida. Um and uh, it was a real tough time for me, man. And so after that, man, I uh, I think I took a couple months off. And my agent would always be in my ear like, man, what's wrong? You're not going to play? Like, uh, you know, I could I could get you in the CFL. I could do this. And I would always tell him, like, dude, I'm not going to Canada. There's no way I'm going to Canada. You know what I mean? Like, I'm good enough to play in the NFL. There's no way I'm going to Canada. And the NFL never came about again. So him saying, like, look, the uh, Edmonton Eskimos own your rights. Like they're ready for you to come to the CFL right now, dude. I can get you money to play football again. And so my mom finally talking me to it, like, dude, just go see how it is. If you don't like it, just come back home. Like quick, you know, you got to see first. You'll never know until you see. And so I ended up signing with the Edmonton Eskimos. And it was a great experience, man. I went up there and dominated in the preseason and all that good stuff there and actually was playing up there. But it's a different set of rules, you know what I mean? And I'm not used to, the rules of the CFL. So it was an adjustment, of course. And um, again, man, you know, at those times, you know, I'm going through a lot of adversity and it's a lot of roller coaster rides. You know what I'm saying? So me sitting here telling you that I was that same team player that I was at UF, I wasn't. I was all for myself. So when I'm not getting the ball, when I'm not having the success that I want, you know, I feel some type of way about it. And I never forget I had a ankle injury, but at the University of Florida, you know, ankle injuries, we fight through that and we still play. And I never forget the uh, coach at the time, he brought me into a meeting and said, uh, he said, look, man, you know, we know you're battling an anchor injury. We could tell. So we're going to um, we're going to practice squad you for a couple of weeks. You know what I mean? And I was like, practice in the CFL? Y'all got to practice squad me? <laughs> you're going to do and what? Like, yeah. And again, man, I, you know, I'm still riding on I'm Brandon James from the University of Florida. I did X and Y, Z at the University of Florida. I'm just as good as all those guys that are in NFL doing the thing right now. Like. I don't even belong in the CFL and you're going to practice squad me. And so I didn't tell him that, of course, but that's going through my head. And so when he said that me being the straightforward, 
nonchalant, just going to give it to you how I feel. I said, uh, well, if you're going to practice squad me, I better still get the same pay that I get when I was active. And he, and he looked at me like, are you serious? Like, there's no way we can do that. I said, well, there's no way I can stay. And so he's like, well, you're just going to walk away. And, you know, telling you the truth, dude, I just walked away from my football career. Like, um, I could have stayed up there and been – he probably would have practiced squatted me for a few weeks, and I probably would have went back active and all that good stuff there. But God's honest truth, dude, I just – I you know, I never forget. He goes, well, you're just going to walk away? And I go, yeah. He goes, well, we'll book your ticket. I say, I already have a ticket booked. You know what I mean? So I left Canada and um, never played football again, man. And, and, you know, it was a decision I struggled with for a while because I was like, man, you know, I just – I blew my own opportunity, you know what I mean? But at the same time, man, if, if it was on my heart and that's how I felt at the time, I eventually grew comfortable with the decision because that's how I really felt. And at that time too, man, football, again, my, my senior year was stressful. Not getting drafted was stressful. Then going up there was stressful. So I was kind of needing a break from football anyway. So it was, you know, a tough time for me, but, you know, we got through it and everything like that. So after that, you know, I spent some years just trying to figure out what, what was next, you know, having a few ins and odds jobs, just to having to get into the real world and not being, you know, the all-American, the great punt returner and the great part of this gate class. That was tough for a while. But, um, you know, eventually when I found my niche into coaching and being around kids and being able to impact kids, you know, that just, again – all the way, it brought all the emotions back again from when I was a freshman that stepped into the University of Florida. You know, I just knew what I was going to do, you know what I mean? And that's why now, you know, I'm teaching at an elementary school in a behavioral unit, which I enjoy, man. I never knew, I never thought I was going to be a teacher, um, but I love doing it. Um, and then being a high school coach, I started out coaching middle school ball because, you know, crazy to believe, and you know, I'm going to tell everybody the the the, the real of the stories. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I came back home, and my own high school didn't really want to let me coach, and didn't really want to let me do what I felt I should be doing. And uh, so I said, okay, well, I'll go somewhere else and show you guys that I could coach. And eventually, you 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 know, you'll you'll change your mind. And um, so I got into middle school ball, just coaching kids and being around kids as much as possible. And anybody knows middle school ball, you don't get paid for it here, anyways. So I'm volunteering my time out there with kids, just pouring into them, just doing whatever I can to help them. And uh, at that time, too, man, my little brother was in high school, so I was training him and all that good stuff there. So everything kind of worked out, man, because I ended up, you know, getting into teaching, getting into coaching. And then from training, I ended up starting my own training business. And it's going wonderful, man. And, uh, you know, I pretty much booked up from Monday to Sunday training kids around my community and being able to help kids from baseball players to soccer players to football players, basketball players. Everyone wants to, you know, kind of be a part of, I call my company the uh, blueprint um, because again, I feel like I have the blueprint to help you to be successful because of what I went through. I'm a small kid and I didn't have all the measurables and all that good stuff there, but I was able to achieve the things that I did. So that's why I came up with the name blueprint and uh, you know, everyone around here supporting me, man, they're, they wanted to be a part of it. And uh, it, it, it again, all those adversities and all those things that I went through, it worked out because, you know, of the time of everything that I'm being able to reap the benefits of now. Mm -hmm. um, final question for you, bringing things to, uh, you know, as, as current as we can get, uh, you're about to go into the UF Hall of Fame. Tell us about getting that call, or I think it was an email in your case. Was that something you expected or were, were looking for or did it just come out of nowhere? 
100% came out of nowhere, man. And, um, you know, the story is crazy because Spikes got the news before me. You know, um, when I see Tebow, of course, man, we're brothers. But, you know, me and Tebow don't talk. Um, so, <laughs> you know, um, you know, me and Spike still talk every other day, every other week. We still keep in contact with each other. You know, it's like a he's always going to be like a brother to me. So he called me and he FaceTimed me. He's like, hey, man, congratulations. I was like, dude, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? And he's like, uh, dude, we made it to the Hall of Fame. I'm like, Hall of Fame? So me and him having the relationship that we always had for me sitting in his apartment, having those conversations, yada, yada. I said, dude, ain't nobody from St. Augustine, Florida in no Hall of Fame at University of Florida. <laughs> and he goes, uh, he said, he, he goes, all right, well, I'm about to send you the information right now. And uh, so he paused the uh, FaceTime thing and he sent me the information. And dude, I literally start crying, tears, and we're laughing and joking, all that good stuff there. And he's like, I told you, I told you. And so he immediately started going like, what's wrong? You didn't think you were, I was like, dude, man, I didn't think anybody respected the return game like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I always felt like because I never got the shot, I'm not even going to say have the shot because I didn't get the touches that I felt like I should have, that I wasn't going to be validated for what I did. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But obviously people respect what I did in the return game. And that alone was enough to get me into the hall of fame. You know what I mean? Because I had touchdown. I had a couple touchdowns rushing. I had a couple touchdowns receiving, but Nothing compared to what Percy or any of those guys that are probably in the Hall of Fame did before. A special teams guy that was solely made his name as a special, uh, a return specialist to be able to say you're a first ballot Hall of Famer and go in with Brandon Spikes and Tim Tebow. Man, those emotions were crazy, man. And um, I'm a, again, I'm a, I'm a coach now and mm-hmm. I'm around kids. And this generation lives into the they, they live into the, the the small box of, OK, well, you're not in the NFL now. So, you, you know, you, you weren't really that good. Right. So when this happens, it's kind of like, okay, you know what I mean? This gives me the extra incentive to tell kids, like, look, dude, you know, number one, you guys need to go back and do your history. Because, again, I've told you numerous times throughout this conversation, like, we grew up watching football. Like, I knew who everyone was. And so I didn't have to see, just use, for example, Sean Taylor pass and all that good stuff there to know how great he was. I knew who Sean Taylor was. So, you know, for... All this stuff to happen and for now me still being in coaching and being around kids, it just gives me, you know, the extra incentive to tell these kids, like, look, man, you can do anything you put your mind to do. You just got to apply yourself and go to work. And um, I truly believe that's why all these, why everything is happening the way it's happening for me, even though the adversity out of college and all that stuff there, I truly believe it's happening at the time it's happening because of, you know, the decisions I've made to uh, have an impact in kids' lives and all that good stuff there. Well, Brandon, it's, it's an awesome story, and it's really cool to see how it's come full circle. So thank you so much for sharing it, and uh, Gator Nation appreciates you. All good, man. Like I told you, man, anything for Gator Nation, man, and uh, anytime. We hope you enjoyed this installment of Gator Tales, Gator Greats. And if you've missed any of our previous standalone episodes or miniseries, we strongly encourage you to scroll back through your feed, and whenever you see Gator Greats in the title, sit back and buckle up to hear incredible tales of Florida lore told by the athletes who made them happen. Until next time, I'm Adam Schick. Please stay safe and go Gators.